Okay. Um, we're in Ephesians chapter 5, and last week we talked about Ephesians 5, 8, um, and uh, today we're going to be looking at more of the rest of this section here on light and darkness. Um, we talked about that last week, kind of as an introduction. I, I spent the, the, the whole time trying to explain something of what I think Paul is talking about when he says, formerly you were darkness. Uh, and and, uh, and how that's a reality, that a greater reality than most of us are willing to face. And yet, only in facing that reality do we begin to open ourselves up to receiving the light of life. I mean, only when we, when we recognize that, that we are the darkness into which he must shine. That it is, that, that it is the, the fabric of our own thought and idea and nature. That that is the darkness into which he must shine the light of his life. Only when we come to that recognition, that spirit-given recognition, are we even opening ourselves up to know the light, to walk in the light. Paul doesn't say, formerly you struggled with darkness. He doesn't say that there... Uh, that, that, that these Ephesian believers were influenced by darkness. He tells the church of Ephesus that they were the very darkness itself. The darkness is, the darkness is not something that is external to the heart of man. It's not something external to you that is trying to influence you. The darkness is the blindness and the absence of light that exists in the heart of man. In fact, uh, the soul of humanity, as it has turned from the light, as it has turned away in the, in the fall, when we have fallen from our created purpose, uh, we, the soul of, of, of man is, is, uh, is the darkest place uh, on earth, apart from the light of Christ's life. Everything else in creation was made at least to reflect that light. And where we have been uh, twisted and perverted by the lie, we have become a, a habitation of darkness. And so I don't say that just to uh, paint an ugly picture. I say that because unless we understand that ugly picture, it is very um, difficult in fact, it is impossible to understand the great necessity for the light of Christ's life. So let me just read here Ephesians 5, 8. And I'm going to read this section again on light and darkness, 8 through 14. Uh, and then we'll, we'll just kind of pick it up where we left off last week. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light... The fruit of the Spirit, uh, some uh, New King James or King James says fruit of the Spirit, but all their translations say fruit of the light because that's in some, older man, some older manuscripts have uh, fruit of the light. And, and I think that's uh, original. The fruit of the light is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. 
Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Well, what is, what is light? Let's start with that. What is, what is light and what is darkness? The light is, is nothing more and nothing less than what God sees. Light is what God sees. It's reality. It's reality as it has been established in Christ and given to those who are born of Christ. It is, uh, it is the reality that is shown to the soul in a deep um, inner awareness, a deep inner... It's difficult to describe uh, in words because it's not words, it's light. But it's, it's, a, it's, it's like an inner awareness that makes a person awaken to, uh, makes a person alive to, conscious of aware of our true person, our true place, and true state of being, all of which are Christ. Christ is our life. Christ is therefore the person of our salvation. Christ is our place. He's the land of our inheritance. He is the provision and habitation that God has given us. And Christ is our state of being. That is to say, what is true of him as the head of his body is true of the body as partakers of him as members of him, because we share one life and one spirit and one faith and one body. And so light is this profound spiritual awareness and understanding and perception of these realities as it is worked in us by the spirit of truth. That's what light is. That's, light is what God sees. It's what God knows. It's what God understands being shared with us, being shown in us, being shown, shined in the shown in the heart, shined, shown, sh shined. I never know. Anyway, awakening us, causing us to awaken to the full light of his day. In his light, the psalmist says, in his light we see light. Apart from that light, we know only the dark, the darkness that that is his absence. Darkness is the absence of light. It's what what part of you know if someone says what 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 part of my thinking is the darkness? The part that you're thinking. It's the part that 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 comes from you. It's the part that isn't light. When light shines in your soul, it doesn't just give you a better perspective. It gives you the perspective of an entirely different life. When light shines in your soul, it's, it's like you're beginning to wake up. Uh, but, but you're waking up in a completely contrary universe. It's, it's, not, it's not the kind of light that tells you a better way to live. Most Christians are, are kind of interested in light for, for that reason. I, you know, I need some light on this situation. I need some light on this problem. But see, the light of Christ doesn't really do that. It, it, more, it more defines you as the problem. It's a, it's a light that shows you that you are, in fact, quite dead. And there's nothing to be done about that. But it's a light that also shows you that you've been given life. And that life can be experienced. And that life, you can abide in it. You can abide in that life. And you can live by it. You can live in that light. You can walk in the light as He is in the light. And have fellowship with Him who is the light. 
Nevertheless, it's always not I, but Christ who lives in me, who is this light. And, and, and these are words, I know I'm quoting some scripture verses here or whatever, and these are words, words though that we can read in the darkness, but they become the experience of the soul. They become the experience of your soul when light shines. Light is the mind of Christ, the view of God, the reality of one, one new man shown to you in one new light. That's what light sees. It's an experience of, of the unalterable truth revealed by the Spirit who is that truth. You can't, you can't touch it, you, 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 but you can know it. You can know it by participating in it. You can know the light when it shines and you see what he sees and you know what he knows. Because really, light is a participation in his view. It's a participate, participation in his light. And the way that you and I participate in what God has done is by walking in the light that shows us what he has established and it also shows us what he has put away. And, 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 I, and I hear myself say things like that and it, it, sometimes if, if, if you're just hearing words, it, it kind of sounds like just fancy language or... or but see, uh, words... It's, this is just more or less an attempt to describe a, a little something that I've seen in the light. Uh, seeing something is always the easy part. Putting, putting a view into words can be very difficult. It's almost like you're um, trying to use dark words to, to describe light realities. I describe it sometimes like this. Seeing a sunset is easy. Appreciating, appreciating a sunset that's, that you're watching is, is simple. It's effortless. But, but, but then trying to describe the sunset to your friend over the cell phone, now that becomes difficult. Words don't really carry realities. They only describe them. And so, so I say that because I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say clever words this morning. I'm just trying to pick a few words that don't totally diminish the reality of what light is, what God's light is, and the, the view of God. And I've seen only, relatively speaking, I, I am positive that I have only seen a glimmer of God's light in the face of Jesus Christ. But the glimmer that I possess shines in the darkness that I am and makes an incredible contrast in my soul, an incredible contrast. I don't know very much in the light. And I know that that's true. That's not an attempt to, to sound humble. That's, that's a fact. But I have come to know at least this one thing, that there is an awesome difference. There is an incredible division between light and darkness. That much I've seen clearly. There's a division that I can see between light and darkness, and that division is an awesome thing. And I mean that in the, in the literal sense of that word. It's an awesome thing. That division is, is between light and darkness, and it is called the judgment of the cross. And that division has grown greater and greater in my view over the last several years. <clears throat> years. But it's always been the same for God. That kind of freaks me out a little bit. I mean, in a good way. When I come to a greater realization of that division, a greater realization of that, 
of God's division between light and darkness, and I realize that he's seen this all along, despite my complete blindness to it, despite my ignorance of it. It's never changed for him. I've come to see it a little more clearly, but I've only come to see something that already was. He's always fully seen this division, but it's grown in my, my perception. And the more I see it, the more that I'm both amazed and frightened by it. Because it's so independent of man's ideas. It just is. And there's, there's that which, which the light shows to be life and truth and real in Christ. And then there's, there's so much that the light divides from the darkness. I mean, the, the light... The light divides from itself all that is darkness, is, is a better way to say that. Remember last week we talked about how God first created the types and shadows of these realities. He, and he said, let there be light. It's right in the beginning, Genesis 1. Let there be light, and there was light, and then God divided the light from the darkness. God didn't have to create darkness because darkness was where there wasn't light. It's wherever there isn't light. But what he did do is he, he divided the, the darkness from the light. He made a division. And that division, God called night and day. And, 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 and this, is, this division is God's natural, um, physical prototype or, or foreshadow or type um, of, of the division that Paul is, is talking about in Ephesians chapter 5. We, we think the big deal is, is the, the, the thing you can see with your eyes or the gigantic orb in the sky that, that, that beams light and heat and then the moon and the darkness, whatever. We think that's the big thing and the little version is in the soul, but God sees it exactly the other way around. That's the type and shadow out there. The substance is when light shines in the darkness. A greater light shines in a greater darkness. And a division is established. And that division is called the cross. And it's this division that God must begin to work in our hearts. See, naturally, you think you would, but naturally you don't know the difference between light and darkness. I mean, true light and darkness. Anyone can see natural light and darkness. Because we have natural senses. But by nature, we absolutely do not know the difference between true light and true darkness. Again, you'd think that everyone could tell the difference. But, 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 but there's no light to tell the difference until that light shines. In fact, we are so full of darkness by nature, we, we, we assume... We assume that we have light. We assume that we are light. And, and to this very reality, Jesus comes as the only light in the, to, to the world. And that's what John says. And Jesus says this, this uh, statement that we looked at last week, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? You see, the Pharisees didn't believe him. But neither do we. We, we think that just because we're Christians and, and, and because we go to church or because we read this book called the Bible, we think that because of these things we know the difference between light and darkness, but we do not. Even after we've been born of the light, we don't really comprehend the difference between light and darkness until the light of his life begins to shine in our heart and makes a division. I'm talking about Christ being revealed in you. It's the same 
I'm talking about truth being shown to you by the Spirit who is that truth. God has to show us the division between his view and ours. One of those is the darkness and one of those is the light. And, and what we see, if we're willing to face it, is that formerly we didn't merely have some dark ideas. Formerly we were the darkness that ruled and reigned in our soul. God's view is the light. Man's view is the darkness. That's a fact. And the division between God's light and my darkness is more obvious to God than the difference between night and day is obvious to our natural senses. However, if we do not bow our darkened heart to him and acknowledge our darkness, then we will forever refuse to see the light. And if we will not see the light, then we will never walk in the light. We will never abide in the light. We'll never understand the scriptures that speak of fellowship in the light and abiding in the light and the fruit of the light. And I'm spending time on this again this morning uh, because, as I said, as I said last week, everything of growth, everything of truth hinges on that division, hinges on that separation. God's view is light. My view on all things, including my view of God, is darkness. And here's the kicker. Here's the real punch. As though it weren't enough to accept what I just said, Jesus, Jesus takes it one step further. You know, In one place he says that the light that is in us is darkness, but then in another place he says that men love it that way. Men love it that way. Men love darkness, he says, because their deeds are evil. Now, what does that mean? I want to look at that for a minute. What does that mean? What does it mean that we love darkness because our deeds are evil? It means that because we are evil, there is something that we love about darkness. We love the fact that evil can hide in darkness and not be exposed. And that's as a general general overview of what he said there. But Jesus isn't primarily talking about murder or stealing or fornication. He's not really talking about that. He's talking about all things that man does and thinks and wants. All things that man is, is given a place to hide in the darkness. And if you can hear what I mean by this, I was thinking about this this week. I was asking myself the question, what are we hiding from? What's the main thing that, why do I generally hide in the darkness? And, and I came to, to, to realize that I know this is true of me and I suppose it's true of you as well. It's not, it's not simply that we're trying to hide these things f from other people. And it's not that we're mainly trying to hide these, these evil things from God. I, I suppose that there's truth to both of those, that we are in some, to some extent trying to hide from God and from people. But, but the main person, that when I thought about this, the main person that I understood myself trying to hide my evil from was me. It's ourselves. I think that's really important to realize. 
we're hiding ourselves from ourselves. In other words, we're keeping ourselves from seeing what we are. You see, the darkness, we love the darkness because we like to deceive ourselves. Because darkness is where we feel like we're a good person. And darkness is where we feel like we've got something that is useful to God. And darkness is where we imagine our own relevance and we create our own theologies and we think that we have something of righteousness and we, we think we understand love and we think that we're spiritual or smart or, or better than the Joneses. See, the amazing thing is that in the darkness we actually believe these things. See, we're hiding from ourselves. We're hiding from, from the realization of self. We deceive ourselves in the darkness, and that's why we love it so much. So the darkness is not just where we hide from other people or where we hide from God. The darkness is where we hide from facing the truth about ourselves. That's why we hide in the darkness. It's where we can think whatever we want to think about our lives and about our purpose and about ourselves. And there's no light to tell the difference. There's no way to prove anything in the dark. It's, it's, a, it's one imagination against another. There's no way to convict anyone in the darkness because, because there's no witnesses. There's no way to prove it. There's no way to know anything for certain in the darkness because there's, because there's so many different ideas that sound right. You can't tell them apart without light. In the darkness, you can be convinced about just about anything. And the main thing that we like to be convinced about, the thing that is the most important to us, is whatever we are currently believing about ourselves. That's the most important thing to the natural man. Whatever you are currently thinking about yourself. The self is always on the mind of the natural man. And there's nothing more important than, uh, to, to, to the Adamic man, to Adam, than our current perspective on ourselves. Self-love, self-relevance, self-preoccupation. This is how we are by nature. And this is, this is where our obsession with pride it comes from. This is where our obsession with insecurity comes from. This is why we constantly are mindful both of acceptance and of, re of rejection. Be, why, why are those things so huge on our hearts? Why are those things the, you know, they're enough to crush a human soul in total uh, pain and, and tears and rejection, for instance? Why is that such a huge deal to us? Because self is always the primary issue for the natural man. And the entire world could, be, could, could have fallen into shambles, but so long as we feel good about ourselves, we think that everything's okay. That's why we need the darkness. That's why we love the darkness. Because in the darkness, we can deceive ourselves about ourselves. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, we, we really don't usually care if a sermon is true so long as it makes us feel a certain way. You know, we like to feel like we can be something in God's eyes. We like to feel like we can please Him in things that we are good at. We like to feel like He loves us just like old Grandma Betty used to love me, even when I was naughty. You know, don't, don't turn on the light. It might ruin my thoughts about God. 
don't, don't turn on the light. Just paint, just paint me a nice mental picture in the darkness and send me home to think about it. And that might sound harsh, and I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to expose something. I'm trying to expose the fact that regardless of what we imagine, God has divided the, divided the light from the darkness. And we don't really hide in the darkness from Him. You understand? Nothing is dark to Him. It's just dark to us. And we hide in the darkness because we love to see ourselves that way. We love to hold on to our ideas about ourselves, about our life, about our religion, about our purpose, about everything that, 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 that makes sense in the darkness, that you can't contradict in the darkness. No one can really contradict it in the darkness. The light does it automatically. <clears throat> the moment that God is permitted to shine the light of his view into our soul, that is the first time we ever begin to see ourselves, or to see anything for that matter, but to see ourselves in the light. You know, and, and some people, some people think I'm too hard on the natural man or on the natural mind, because I'm always talking about verses that say things like, in the flesh dwells no good thing, or, or, um, uh, every intent of the thoughts of man's heart were evil all the time. You know, I, I make a big deal out of those verses, um, you know, the reality of our inherent darkness, it comes up in just about every one of my messages. But why is that? It didn't used to be like that for me. But everything changed the day that light began to show me what I was. Everything changed. When light began to define the problem, all it took was one flash of light for me to realize that I had been hiding all of my life. Can you hear that? I'd been hiding. It took one flash of light for me to face the fact that I had been hiding my whole Christian life. I had been hiding in the darkness where all of my imaginations could not be challenged. I'd been hiding in the pitch blackness of my own thoughts about God and about scripture and about purpose and about life and I loved it that way. But in a flash of reality, I saw that I was the darkness where I hid. I saw that self, the natural man, the Adamic kind, me, I was the darkness where I hid from the light. And I loved it that way because my deeds were evil. I didn't hide in the darkness primarily because I didn't want other people to figure out how evil I was. In my specific case, most people didn't think I was evil. That wasn't my issue at all. I didn't hide in the darkness because I didn't want God to discover how evil I was. I actually kind of thought part of my dark imaginations was that God thought I was pretty nifty by nature. I hid in the darkness primarily because I didn't want to know what I was. I didn't want to see myself. I didn't want to have God's view of my life. My, I didn't want to have light show me my own understanding, my own religion, my own action, my own heart. I preferred my own understanding. I preferred my own perspective. And that's what I'm trying to tell us is the darkness. That may sound a little strange, but it's true. 
To see in God's light is to this this is hard to hear maybe sometimes at first because it sounds like I'm talking about two different things but I'm not to see in God's light is to experience the cross you can't separate those two things from each other to see in God's light is to experience the cross they're the same to see in his light when when the light of God, the light of God's view, the light of God's life is permitted to shine in your heart, two things inevitably, inevitably, inevitably begin to occur. You can't stop it. It works the same way in every single heart. There's, there's nobody that this, that this doesn't happen to when the light begins to shine. Two things start to happen. On the one hand, that which exists in the light begins to be established. And on the other hand, that which is not part of the light is exposed and it begins to pass away. It's automatic. The light shines and you begin to lay hold of that which God has done and you also begin to forget all that was once hidden in the darkness. And that's the cross. This is the experience of the cross. I'm not talking about the, history, the historical cross. I'm talking about the present reality and experience of the cross. The cross is God's division between light and darkness. The cross is where God judged the world and cut between all things. On the one side of the cross, there is the first man, the first creation, and the first covenant. There is the darkness of the entire world. That's all part of the night. That's all part of the night. But on the other side of the cross, there is the new man, a new creation, a new covenant. This is all part of the day. The eternal day of the Lord. It dawned in his resurrection. Many of the prophets spoke of it. Peter says that it is now dawning in our heart. That light, that day that has come is now dawning in our heart. And the division that God established in the natural realm in Genesis chapter 1 is being fulfilled, is being perpetually fulfilled and established in your soul. Cross is the boundary, it is the division, it is the partition between night and day, between light and darkness. And when a human soul begins to see in the light, when the one who, who spoke, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, the one who spoke, uh, let there be light in, in the darkness, when this one starts to say, let there be light in the darkness of our heart, of our soul to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, then, then that partition begins to, to be established in you. The cross. The cross begins to judge in you between the living and the dead. You face the judgment seat of God. You face the judgment between the living and the dead. The cross calls one man alive, he calls another man dead, and, and then there's no arguing. The cross establishes one seed and buries another. The cross divides between two creations, and the light, the light will show you that you are actually made new. In fact, if anyone is in Christ, the old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. So many of us, these are, these are nice Bible verses we have on our 
Christian calendar, but they aren't realities that are dividing our soul, that are defining who we are and what is real. To see in his light is to experience his division. To see in his light is to experience the cross. Light shines. Light shines in your heart and it, 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 it is amazing to see how much darkness must be separated from the light. Light shines and what remains in, in, in the light is part of the light. What remains in the light is part of the light and what, what is shown to be darkness is separated from the light. And, and this is what, this is what uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but this is what he says in Ephesians 5.13. He says, All things being exposed by the light are clearly revealed, for everything having been revealed is light. See, there's just two things. There are the things that are of the light and can be seen in the light, and then there are those things that exist where light does not. Do you see what he's saying? And what I'm trying to say to you is that seeing in God's light is how you experience the cross. I mean, people ask all the time, people have this question, how do I die to myself? And then there's a million religious answers to that question that don't accomplish anything. You know, some guy says, stop eating this and don't touch that. And Paul says, that's of no use against fleshly indulgence. Another guy says, well, yeah, you have to, you know... There are so many wrong ideas about dying to yourself. But no amount of your dark effort is going to do anything. You can't try to stop being what you are. To die to yourself, you must come to see in His light. To experience the death of the cross, you have to have the light reveal all that the cross has done and all that the cross has put away. And when you stand in that light, you automatically begin to die to that which is already dead. And you effortlessly begin to lose what God has already nullified. And on the other side of that, you, what is established in you is what God has done, what God has raised up from the dead. One man is put off, another man is put on. This is why I always say things like the truth as it is in Christ starts to become the truth as it is in your soul. And the necessary counterpart to that, the other side of the exact same coin, is that the darkness, which, which is you, begins to fall away from your soul when it's crowded away and vanquished by the light. You die, you die to yourself when you see in his light. When you see who is life. When you see what is life, you die to yourself when you allow the light to push away the imaginations and the darkness where you have been hiding. And then, and only then, can you begin to walk in the light, abide in the light, walk in the truth, remain in the light, abide in Christ. So many people are asking the question, how do I abide in Christ when there's no light? And there's, it's impossible to answer that question. It takes light for there to be anything to abide in. A present work of light in your soul, the light of life shining in your soul, for you to walk in that light. You can't, you can't abide in a doctrine. You can't abide in a teaching. You can't abide in a church service. You have to abide in light. The light of the knowledge of God shown in your heart by the Spirit of Truth. God dividing light from darkness. And that's, this is where Paul, this is what Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter 5. 
He says, since we have become children of light, let us also walk in the light. And he says that the fruit of walking in the light will be the expression of light. Of course it will. It doesn't say the deeds of the light. It doesn't make you... Uh, light doesn't tell you how to do spiritual deeds. It's a whole lot simpler than that. Fruit is what grows from a seed. Fruit is something that appears on a tree when there's plenty of sunlight. If we walk in the light of God's view, the light of Christ revealed, then the vine bears fruit in us. And fruit, of course, is going to be the increase of the seed. So Paul says in Ephesians 5, 9, for the fruit of the Spirit, or the fruit of light, is all goodness and righteousness of truth, proving what is pleasing to the Lord. So if a soul abides in the light, the fruit that grows is all goodness and righteousness and truth. Notice he's not talking about religion here. He's not talking about things we try to do for God. On the contrary, he's very specifically talking about the effects that God's light has in a soul. The effects of God's light... When we abide in the light, we are changed by the light. And our light, that light that works in us, it, it, it makes our lives into a, an illustration or an expression of what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what he's saying here. Now, the new, the new King James reads, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord here in verse 10. Um, some translations say proving what is acceptable to the Lord. I, I don't mind either translation as long as you realize that we're not finding that 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 we're finding out what is acceptable to the lord because it is growing in our souls as we abide in the light i mean it's it's not like we're doing a bunch of good deeds and hoping trying to figure out as we as we do these good things which one god likes you know lord did you like that one Ooh, okay i'll try again you know it's not that not that kind of figuring out which one god likes it's it's kind of like stumbling upon a uh, a fruit tree in the middle of a field and having no idea what kind of tree it is, and so you water it and you leave it you leave it in the light you leave it in the sunlight for a given time, and pretty soon the fruit begins to show you what kind of tree it is. The fruit begins to prove what kind of tree it is. What kind of seed is there? The fruit demonstrates just what kind of seed you're dealing with. It, 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 it causes you to find out what kind of tree you have. So then in the next verse, Paul contrasts the, the fruit of the light with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Notice that one is fruit and one is deeds. One is something that grows from the seed, the other is something you do. And I don't think his point here is specifically to uh, point out specific actions as much as to draw a contrast between the source, the two sources, light and darkness. In other words, I don't think Paul has any specific bad deeds in mind here. Someone might say, well, what, what, what are the exact you know, deeds of darkness that he's, that he's uh, talking about here? You know, which, which ones are shame, shameful ones that, that you're not even supposed to talk about? But again, I don't really think that he's trying to highlight any particular action or any particular bad deed or bad word, but rather point to the darkness itself that, that is the unrenewed Adamic mind. And I think his point is that we are putting off one kind of fruit and putting on the other because we are putting off one man and putting, putting on Christ. 
So the light shining in our hearts is always having this effect. It's, it's, um, it's the light of God. It's God's view. Again, it is God's understanding, God's view. Not, not man's perspective on good works or Christian duty or, or worthy causes. If it's genuinely the light of Christ's life, then it is always accomplishing two things. It is always establishing Christ himself as the, as the life and as the source of all things. And it is also always exposing and destroying the darkness where we love to hide. And for that reason, I think Paul says, Awake you who sleep, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. That's, some translations say, therefore it says, or therefore he says. The, the, the Greek could be translated either way. It says or he says. And some say, you know, what, what, he's obviously quoting something here. Uh, I don't know what it is. No one really does. It, you know, it's not an Old Testament scripture. Uh, it could be something, some saying that was going around in the church common saying of the day or it could be uh, some other writing that we don't have but uh, at any rate he's applying this sentence to the very reality that we're talking about awake you who sleep rise from the dead and christ will give you light amen we'll stop with that